Today we're, we're in Born the King, and, and I'm going to be honest with you, today's message is uh, maybe not your typical, like, feel-good Christmas message, um, but I really, I think it's a good message. So, you know, Advent is about preparing our hearts for the coming Messiah, Preparing our hearts for the coming Messiah. The, the, the purpose of this series, the purpose of what we're doing is that you would prepare your heart so that, because let's be honest, Christmas time is an easy time to get distracted and get focused on other things. We're here to prepare our hearts for the coming of the Messiah. We talked about the first week. That's not just Jesus coming a couple thousand years ago. That's Jesus coming again someday and establishing his kingdom. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. I want to start with, with kind of a deep question. What does the birth of the Messiah mean to you? Now, I'm not going to ask you to turn because I think this is something you've got to think about for a minute. But what does the birth of the Messiah mean to you? This Christmas season, I think it would do us some good to think about and answer this question. What does the birth of the Messiah really mean to you? Um, obviously, we, we say Jesus is the reason for this season. We like to focus on the, the beauty of the nativity. We like Christmas season. We love the decorations. We love the gift giving. But what does the birth of the Messiah really mean in your life? The scripture that we're looking at today deals with this question. And, and so in this scripture, this is an interaction. It's, it's Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 to 6. And in this scripture, it's an interaction between John the Baptist's disciples and Jesus. And, and it's going to be, it's an interesting question that they ask. So let's, let's read it together. We're going to start in verse 2 of chapter 11. It says, when John, who was in prison heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, and those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. So, so this is, we jumped into that. I probably should give you a little bit of background so you get the feel of what's happening here. John, who is in prison, this is John the Baptist. This is, this is the one who came. This is a biblical hero, John the Baptist, who came. His whole purpose was to prepare the way for the Messiah. He preached about the Messiah. This is... This is John the Baptist, the, the forerunner for the Messiah. And he sends a couple of his disciples to ask Jesus a question. And it's an interesting question. Are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? Now, there's a lot of layers to this. John is in prison. His, his life is in danger. And there, there's definitely a lot of different thoughts that maybe he's just confused about whether there's two, that Jesus is going to come again or this is it. But regardless, John is at a place where, where he's struggling. He's in prison. I mean, this is the guy, this this is John the Baptist. His whole life was about preparing the way for Jesus, the Messiah. He was, John the Baptist was the first person to recognize Jesus as the Messiah. And it happened 
before they were even born. It said that he recognized Jesus from the womb. And, and so John was the first person to recognize Jesus. John was the one that preached that Jesus was, was the Messiah. John was the one that told people that Jesus was coming and, and would baptize them. And so this is an incredible question. Are you the one who is to come? This guy whose whole life was to tell others that Jesus was the Messiah all of a sudden sends people to ask, are you really the Messiah? Or should we expect something else? What's going on with that? Well, obviously, John's in prison. John has stood up to the powers that be. He's stood up for truth and what's right. And, and basically, it's gotten him thrown into prison. And so John is in a place where he's confused and he's hurting and he's thinking, this isn't what I expected Jesus to be and do. John has done everything right and finds himself in a pretty rough place. Can, can any of you relate to that? Where you feel like you've, you've accepted Christ, you've proclaimed that, that Jesus is Lord, God, God is the God of your life, but you feel like the Messiah should be handling things a little bit different? Maybe you feel like things should be working out a little bit different for you? I mean, John's in prison, and he's in prison for doing the right thing. And so he comes to this moment of struggle, and it seems like the Messiah isn't doing the Messiah's job because John is hurting. See, John's declared Jesus the Messiah but, but he's having these struggles. It says in verse 2, this is, this is important to the story. It says in verse 2, when John heard about the deeds of the Messiah. I think a lot of times when I struggle, if, if I could be transparent, it's because I feel like God is not working. John's not struggling because Jesus is not working. John's struggling because Jesus is working in ways that he doesn't understand or doesn't think that Jesus should work. John's saying, hey, if you're the Messiah, why am I, a good guy, sitting in jail, waiting to die? If the Messiah's here, shouldn't we be in a better place? Shouldn't, shouldn't we be okay? See, see John was struggling. I, I don't know about you, but I, I've kind of struggled with this. I, got on, I made the mistake of getting on Facebook and, and getting into, I didn't get into an argument, I didn't say anything, but I read, an, I like to read arguments, not be in arguments, let me be honest with you. Like I get on Facebook and I see people arguing and I'm like, I'm gonna read through this. And, and then I like to read it and then I like to check back later and see what people are saying, but there was a big argument over these whole impeachment trials and hearings and all that. And, and I was reading through it and, and I don't, I'm just gonna be honest with you, I don't get political. Um, I'm going to be honest with you, I, I struggle with the fact that I feel like sometimes our leadership cares more about power than the good of our people. And I'm not talking about one side or the other, I'm talking about the powers that be. Sometimes I struggle with the fact that it seems like things aren't working out so well, and I struggle with, with wanting to say things like, come on, God, take over this situation. Come on, God, 
what's going on in the world around us? How is this happening? And it's easy for me as a follower of Christ to start thinking, hey, Messiah, you need to get to work here because things aren't working the way that I think they should be working. Maybe for you it's different. Maybe you've just been going through something in your life and you've been praying and you've been pleading, but you feel like God isn't helping you in the way that you feel like God should help you. And so, so the question is, we lit the joy candle today. How can we be joyful? How can John the Baptist be joyful when he's doing everything right, but everything is going wrong for him? How can we be joyful in the coming of the Messiah when it seems like the Messiah is not working the way we think he should? This is something that I think the enemy wants to throw at us. Here's the thing. I think this is misdirection. I think that we get focused on our circumstances and we think that if our circumstances aren't changing or God isn't working the way we want God to work, that God is not working. But what we see in this scripture is it's not that Jesus isn't working. It's just Jesus' plan is different than what John the Baptist thinks. See, the proof of the Messiah is not in the circumstances of his followers. It's in the fulfillment of his plan and his promises. Let me say that again. The proof of the Messiah is not in the circumstances that we're going through. I'm hurting. I've been hurting for a long time. Nothing's happening. That doesn't disprove the work of God. Because the proof of the Messiah is in the plan and the promises being fulfilled that God has for us. And so this is where this is a tough message. Because we've got a guy hurting in jail, and some of you today might be feeling like that. Some of you today might be hurting, and you might be thinking, is this really God? Is God really doing what God's supposed to do? Because I don't feel it. But understand that God is at work. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that, that the situations, the circumstances of our life don't matter. I'm not saying that God is disinterested with what's happening to you. I'm not saying that you're not important. I'm not saying that our, our government or any of that is not important. What I'm saying is, God is at work, but God doesn't always work according to what we think God should do. God is at work to accomplish his plan and promises. And so we need to be careful not to get up, caught up in the, the me-centered Messiah, but to understand that the Messiah that came had a plan and had a purpose. Let's look at Jesus' response. So, so we've already said it, John is awaiting death. He's in trouble. He's, he's in a difficult place. And so, so let's look at, at Jesus' response here. It says there, the blind will receive sight. So the disciples, let me stop, let me go back. The disciples come to Jesus and they say, John wants to know, are you the one or is there someone else? Because John's, John's feeling frustrated. You're not working. What's going on? And Jesus said, the blind, go back and tell him, the blind receive sight the lame walk, those with leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Does anyone find that a little bit troubling? 
Not that, I mean, that's all good stuff. I'm sorry, not that. It's good that all of that's happening. But does anyone find it troubling for John the Baptist to be struggling and calling out to God because he's in oppression? And Jesus' answer is, hey, I'm taking care of people here. I'm healing. I'm raising people from the dead. I'm proclaiming the good news. Jesus doesn't say, hey, don't worry, I'll get to you in a minute. Jesus doesn't say, hey, don't worry, everything's going to be per- turn out just the way you want it. Jesus says, look at what I'm doing. The blind are receiving sight. The lame walk. And John the Baptist, man, that news had to be, that, that, that little thing had to be tough to hear, but, but maybe not. Because I think John the Baptist knew who the Messiah was supposed to be, I think he had gotten confused. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 35. And and Jesus isn't word for word quoting this, but the things that Jesus said come from this prophecy in Isaiah 35. It says, "Then the this is verse 5, then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. So basically, John says, are you the one that's to come? I've been talking about you. I've been talking you up. Are you really the Messiah? And Jesus says, hey, go tell them. The blind are being healed. Go tell them. The lame are walking. Go tell them. The dead are being raised. That was the prophecy of what was going to come. And so Jesus isn't saying, hey, I'm taking care of everyone else. Forget about you. Jesus is saying, yes, I'm the one to come. I'm doing exactly what was said I would do. I'm healing the blind. I'm I'm healing people. I'm doing the right things. But, But here's the thing. If we get caught up in our situation, John could have said, well, you're not taking care of me. You're taking care of them, but you're not. What about, what about me? I don't think Jesus is saying here, I'm going to heal everyone. I came to heal, to make the blind see, to make the lame walk. I don't, I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. I think Jesus is calling us back to the prophecy that said this was what was going to happen, but I don't think that the Messiah came to earth just to improve our situation here on earth. Jesus didn't come to give us victory in this kingdom. Jesus came to call us into a new kingdom. Hear me again. Jesus didn't come to give us victory in this kingdom, in our political situation, in your sickness, and what you're dealing with. Jesus didn't come just to improve our situation in this kingdom, in this realm. Jesus came to invite us in to a whole new kingdom. That's what the Messiah means. It doesn't mean, hey, you're going to get healed of everything that's wrong with you. It doesn't mean, hey, everything's going to turn out just the way you want it. It means that Jesus came into our broken kingdom, into our broken world, to invite us into his kingdom. See, Jesus isn't just about physical healing. Jesus is about an invitation to a new way of life, a new kingdom. The miraculous acts of healing and love that Jesus performed were not just about healing. They were about inviting people 
into the kingdom of God. How many times did we see Jesus heal someone and then invite them into the kingdom? How many times did we hear, this is for the glory of God? See, Jesus didn't just come to heal us, heal everyone. This isn't Oprah and you get a car and you get a car and you get a car and you get healed and you get this and go have fun. This is Jesus coming to establish a new kingdom and to invite us into it. In fact, we looked at Isaiah 35. Let's look at at a little bit more of that starting in verse 8. So earlier it said, the eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped, and the lame will leap like a deer, and the mute tongue shall shout for joy. And then in verse 8 it says, and a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there, and those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing, with everlasting joy. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. So this prophecy says there's going to be healing, the lame will walk, all of these things, but more importantly, there's going to be a way established, a way of holiness, a way to the kingdom, and those that follow that way are going to receive an everlasting joy. Not just a, hey, your situation got a little bit better, hey, I'm going to give you a little healing here and a little bit of this there. And they get an everlasting joy because there's a, a new kingdom at work. See, sometimes I think we get too small-minded with God. I think sometimes, and, and I'm not trying to belittle anyone's problems or circumstances, but I think sometimes we get too focused on our circumstances and on the quality of what's going on right now. And we think, God, come on, the best thing that you could do for me is just to to heal me. Just give me what I need. The truth is, God's way more concerned with you being a part of his kingdom. And, and I, can't, I can't tell you how much good news this is, because just as I said earlier, I get sick of this kingdom. I get sick of the junk that I see here. I don't just want a better house in a broken place. I don't, I don't just want a better government. I don't just want a better situation. I want God's kingdom. I want holiness. I want to be a part of something that's right and pure. And that's why Jesus came, the Messiah came, to usher in a new kingdom and to invite us into it. And the way that Jesus went about doing it is so important. Because Jesus could have come in and knocked those other kings out and said, I'm on the throne, everyone's going to follow me. But that's not what God's all about. God's all about relationship. God's all about healing our souls. And so Jesus came. And Jesus walked among us. And Jesus healed. And Jesus proclaimed the good news to the poor and invited us into the kingdom. Sometimes 
we get focused on the me-centered gospel. I see it every day on social media. Hey, you're in a tough time, but don't worry. God's got better things ahead of you. Hey, you're struggling, but this struggle's just to make you a better person. I mean, honestly, there's a lot of Christianity that's boiled down to this, that if you just follow God, you're going to be better. Life's going to be better. You'll have everything you ever wanted. That's the prosperity gospel, and it's not true. You will have everything you need if you follow God. You will eventually have everlasting joy. You can have it today. But this isn't about you just having better circumstances or being richer or, or being better off. This is about you getting on the highway, the way of holiness, and entering into the kingdom of God. And so Jesus' response to John the Baptist is kind of troubling hey, I'm healing people over here, leave me alone. But, but wait a minute, God, I'm struggling here. I'm being persecuted. What about me? Well, Jesus had already addressed John's situation. If we go back to the Beatitudes, chapter 5, verse 10 through 12 of Matthew, it says this, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they prosecuted the prophets who are before you. Jesus isn't ignoring John the Baptist's pain. Jesus isn't saying, forget about it, I got better things to do. Jesus knows that John the Baptist has everything he could ever need. And he is blessed because he has the inheritance of the kingdom of God. And so he says at the end of that, blessed are, are, is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Don't miss it. Don't stumble this Christmas season. Don't, don't get yourself off track just because things don't look the way you want them to look this Christmas. Yesterday, we had the Dockery family Christmas. And uh, last Sunday night, um, we got home. Everything was going okay. And then at about 10 o'clock, one of the boys came down and started getting sick all over the place. And then at about 5 a.m., another one of the boys started getting sick all over the place. And then on Wednesday or Thursday, I can't remember when, the third out of four started getting sick. And then yesterday morning, Saturday morning, Dockery family Christmas, our fourth boy started getting really sick, started throwing up everywhere. And so Christmas turned into sitting at home with dad all day. <laughs> Christmas was laying on the couch, being sick, having a fever, throwing up. And you know what? It didn't turn out the way he wanted it. It doesn't always turn out the way we want it. The Messiah didn't come just so everything could work out perfectly in every situation for you. But man, the Messiah invites us to be a part of something so much bigger. So much bigger. The, the one that was sick yesterday, he said, why am I sick today of all days? Couldn't I have been sick on a school night? <laughs> but here I am missing Christmas. 
But man, he's so blessed. He's so blessed. The Dockeries came over after to do Christmas with him. And he's not blessed because he got to experience Christmas. He's blessed because he's a part of a loving family that is willing to show him Jesus and invite him to something so much bigger. And so the Messiah coming is not just about Christmas presents. It's not about getting what you want or getting your way. It's about a new kingdom. I got good news. The junk that you see every day on the news, the junk you see happening with people that are hating each other and hurting each other, that's not the kingdom of God. But we have a Messiah that came. So that we could be a part of a new kingdom. A kingdom of everlasting joy and peace and love and wholeness. And so, what does that mean for us? We talked earlier, what does the birth of the Messiah mean to you? It may not mean everything's gonna be perfect this Christmas season. You're gonna have pain, you're gonna struggle, things are gonna happen that, that just sometimes frustrate you. But the birth of the Messiah is our God becoming flesh becoming one of us and walking through our broken kingdom to invite us to a new kingdom, to something better. The greatest gift that we can receive this Christmas season is that Jesus, the Messiah, is building the kingdom, a new kingdom, and that kingdom is our inheritance. So what do we do? What do we do with that? How do we make sure that we don't miss it, that we don't get our hearts and our lives in the wrong place? How do we make sure that we are experiencing the Messiah the way we're supposed to? Number one, I think it's getting away from the me-centered gospel. It's getting away from the thought that the Messiah is all about my circumstances and understanding that just because I don't see God at work in what I'm experiencing doesn't mean God's not working in the world around me. Seeing God at work healing people, seeing God at work raising the dead, awesome things are happening. You don't see it on the news all the time, but awesome things are happening and Jesus is changing people's lives and bringing new life and bringing healing. And it may not happen for each and every one of us. It may. You may be healed by Jesus. You may experience something like that. I want you to understand if that's you, just know that that's just a small piece of something so much bigger. And that's your invitation into the kingdom of God. And, and for those of us that aren't going to experience something like that, maybe you're in a tough situation. I want to challenge you to understand that you have an inheritance that's far greater than just getting out of your current circumstances. You have a God that loves you. You have a God that came in the flesh to invite you into this kingdom. And so today, there's a few things we need to do. Number one, we need to respond. 
We need to accept the invitation to be a part of God's kingdom. Some of you have already done that. Maybe some of you haven't. If you haven't today, the best thing you can do today is to say, God, thank you for coming. You are the Messiah, even when it doesn't seem like it. You are the Messiah, and I want to be a part of your kingdom. And the second response is this. Christmas typically is about gifts and family and some good things. But we need to make sure that Christmas is about seeing God at work in the world around us. And if Jesus came to heal and to proclaim the good news, then guess what? We need to be proclaiming the good news. We need to be bringing healing and restoration. We need to be meeting the needs of those around us, not just for the sake of meeting needs, but for the sake of an invitation to a new kingdom. So the band's gonna come up now, and we're gonna sing a song about joy, and and I know that this hasn't been a traditional Christmas, everything's gonna be perfect, you're gonna experience this perfect Christmas message, but you can have joy, incredible joy this morning. And so I, I wanna invite you today to just say, Lord, Forgive me for when my mind gets off track. Maybe for some of you it's to say, Lord, I want to be a part of your kingdom and I want to accept you as my Messiah and Lord. And maybe for some of you it's, Lord, help me to proclaim the good news. Help me to be about the things that you're about. Father, we love you today. I thank you that you're a God that doesn't just give us minor adjustments and small improvements but you're a God that's holy and right. And you call us into a new kingdom. You call us to have wholeness in you, to be holy. So Father, work in our hearts today. I pray that you would give us not a temporary, momentary joy, but that you would give us the everlasting joy of knowing that your kingdom is forever. And it's our inheritance, Lord. We love you. We want to serve you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.